What is up, Nerds Nation? Welcome to the FN Nerds Podcast, episode 16. Thank you guys for joining us. Uh, before we get started, you might notice there's a few things that are different. One thing is we have our prototype shirts going on. Nerds Nation, baby. Nerds Nation. Yeah. So uh, once we kind of lock down our t-shirt distributor, we're, uh, we're going to start pushing these babies out. We got out. the stickers pretty much intact mm-hmm. right behind your laptop. Mm-hmm. Right here. Uh, so stickers, shirts. Uh, and then you guys also might know that there is a new... A new banner here. It's like that, uh, you know that Will Smith gif? <laughs> yeah. When he's like... <laughs> I'm trying not to get cut off by it, but it's, yeah. it's, it's here and it's here. Right here. Not here or here so much, but right here. Something. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? I, no, I, from where I am, it's like, it's here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, designed by yours truly, Mr. Uh, Martin Moreno. production team. They finally decided to do something for once. It's been <laughs> on their fucking ass ever since the power went out. Good job, guys. Thing one, thing two over there, finally doing some stuff. Fantastic. So, um, so if you guys are listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anywhere else, and you want to see this new T-shirt, this new banner, or this new sticker, please go over to YouTube and subscribe to our channel. Make sure you like this video and uh, check out our faces. Yeah, check out our faces. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Martin, let's uh, let's jump into this thing let's with a little bit this. of uh, rapid fire segment. We got a beefy episode. Oh yeah, we got some uh, Disney Marvel news on deck, and kicking things off is uh, Tron Three, which is back on track with Garth Davis set to direct the sequel. Jared Leto, who has been attached to the project for a few years, is still set to star in the movie, and may have accidentally confirmed the title Tron Ares in a now deleted tweet. No word as to yet if the movie will premiere in theaters or on Disney Plus. Uh, so this kind of just goes back to the rumors we heard and now they have a director, so it looks like it's going to move forward. I guess there was conflicting reports whether or not it was going to be on Disney plus or if it was going to drop in theaters. Mm -hmm. But, uh, this news also seems to confirm that this might be somewhat of a soft reboot to the series as there is no mention of Jeff Bridges or any of the returning cast from, uh, I mean, we might get reports later on, but for now, yeah, for now. And, um, if that's the case, that's a little disappointing, uh, at least for me, because I'm a big Tron legacy fan. Um, it was a movie that really grew on me the more times I saw it. So the fact that they're kind of seeming like they're going to re it's not confirmed yet, but it just like, just the way the thing's been playing out, it looks like that they're going to reboot the series. Um, Still a little iffy on it, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, actually, to kind of piggyback off of that, because we were talking about how we would have liked to see Joseph Zizky kind of come on and continue his story. Yeah. Because he said he said multiple times following uh, Tron Legacy that he has sort of ideas for a third one. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he's not going to see it through, it's unfortunate. However, I do like this directing choice. Um, I did not see Mary Magdalene. I've heard hella mixed things on that movie yeah, yeah. but I have seen Lion you still have not seen I have Lion I not seen Lion shame shame but um I love that movie it's a fantastic film very powerful from an emotional standpoint and it pretty much showed off what Garth David could do as a storyteller mm-hmm. so I'm excited to see him kind of come into this now sort of big production movie because for the most part he's done smaller projects right and from what I've read he was kind of pursuing this project so the fact that he was pursuing it, Interesting. Um, the fact that Jared Leto has been attached for two years and kind of tweeted out his excitement for it kind of makes it seem as a sort of a passion project. So that's encouraging. Yeah. And um, I guess we'll just get more news whenever we get it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Moving on to uh, to Zac Efron. Uh, Zac Efron is set to star in the remake of 1987's film Three Men and a Baby. The movie is set to be released on Disney Plus with Gordon Gray producing and Will Reich penning the script. Duh. Well, I mean, I don't know, man. I have the, the, it's one of those remakes where I'm like, why are we doing this again? Like, there's just no, I see no need for it. And the fact that's going straight to Disney Plus gives it that direct to DVD kind of vibe. Yeah. And like Zach Efron, what are you doing, man? You're 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 better than this. Yeah. You're that's, than this. that's my that's my problem, dude. Because it's like I feel like Zach Efron. Um, well, he's going. He's I think this is his first time going back to Disney since High School Musical. Yes. Or like Charlie Sinclair or like Seventeen again. Yeah, yeah. So he's finally going back to Disney, going back home, I guess, um, after X amount of years away. But yeah, I think Zach Efron is a good actor. I just don't think that guy creatively picks good projects, yeah. which is also interesting because he's been attached to like high profile names like mm-hmm. Ray Showman with Hugh Jackman, the God off of Baywatch with like The Rock. And then, and then he did the um, neighbors movies. Not even that. The uh, the other one that was on Netflix. Yeah, the um, shockingly when he played Ten Bundy. Yes. Evil, shockingly wicked, whatever the fuck the title it was. Called. It was a ridiculous title. Yeah, but like. So he has talent. He has talent, and he's had moderate success from mm-hmm. like the neighbors movies. Greatest Showman wasn't received critically, wasn't received that well, but financially made a lot of money. And people love that movie. And people, yeah, it's got a big following. Yeah. Exactly. So the guys had somewhat success, but I just think 
I, I don't know. I feel like he, I like the fact that he, what he did with like Beach Bum, like, because that I think was, um, this might be an unfair comparison, but when you think of sort of Ryan Gosling, I mean, he was also like a Disney child star. He kind of went into that sort of romantic comedy route with The Notebook, but he broke away from that. Mm-hmm. He, he pursued these sort of smaller story-driven films and kind of allowed him to grow as an actor, kind of explore different acting abilities. And I just don't think he's really done that. Mm-hmm. He's had some small roles, like Disaster Artist, like The Beach Bum, um, with the Ted Bundy movie, even though the movie was not good. I thought he was good in it. Right. So I would have much rather liked to see him do that, push more boundaries, push, explore some more of these smaller story-driven movies, get out of that sort of romantic, you know, what need wedding dates, the awkward moment, like get yeah, away yeah. from that bubble, get away from that stigma, and show off what you can do. Right. I don't know if he needs a new agent or what. It could also like, be that he's just not interested in doing stuff like that. It could he, be you know, idea. You know, I think we always wonder about these actors and like the projects that they pick. And it's like, why are they doing this? Why are they doing that? They have so much talent. And it could just be that personally, they just have no desire to do anything other than what seems fun to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? He comes in, does his standard shit, cashes the checks and goes home. Right. I mean, that could be it. That's right. a very, and, that's and a very I haven't seen, story. I haven't seen his, uh, his, his show that's on Netflix where he like travels around the world. But, yeah. you know, I heard mixed things on it. I know. That's another thing that, that just, to me, just seems like... Like, why are you doing that? I think he just, he just wants to have fun. I honestly think that, that, that that's what it is. Go I just think he's, just, he's more he's more interested in having a good time than he is. Like, I just think that dude's talented and he can do a lot more. Yeah, no. Because like, I, I think a lot of people still, like we were saying, put him in that sort of high school musical Disney bubble. And I think he's moved. I think he showed off he, that he can do much more than that. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, why are you going back to Disney and doing this movie where you can possibly do more sort of Ted Bundy, Flicker from Beach Bump type of roles. Right, Zach's right. Type of role, so I don't know, but... It's on, you know, we don't know. I know. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, we'll just leave it at that, I guess. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to a little bit of Marvel news. Um, according to a report from Esquire and Maxim Magazine, the title for the upcoming Spider-Man movie starring Tom Holland is, supposed to, is said to be Spider-Man Homesick. <laughs> the upcoming Marvel Studios and Sony Pictures is set to start production later this year and is scheduled for release date next year in December of 2021. Yeah, it's an awful title. It's, it, it's an absolutely terrible title. Um, we were discussing, like, the, the idea behind it. Uh, it looks to be that, I mean, I've, we, we've heard rumors, I think, since Far From Home came out that Craven is going to be the villain. And then I also saw something recently that it might be Scorpion as well as kind of a dual kind of villain aspect. But yeah, like this, this is terrible. Just like, I don't, they're like, I feel like they're pigeonholing themselves, sticking with the home being yeah. in like the subtitle. And I don't know why they're doing Although, it. Although I'm not sure if this was said before, but uh, Chris Killian of Comic Book, he made, he added some sort of good context to that title. Yes. He kind of specified about the fact that okay since everyone now knows who he is he kind of has to leave bail and that's how you bring in craven because then you get craven to kind of hunt him down because mm-hmm. i was wondering like you said craven's kind of been floating around a lot i was wondering if how you were going to do that given that now everyone knows who he is it kind of takes away a little bit from the hunt the fact that like oh i know who he is i know where he lives i know where he goes to school right so it's easy to track him down but if that is the case now that everyone knows him he has to fucking leave then you can then that's a kind of good way to bring in Craven to go hunt him down. And since he's gone, he's homesick. He's homesick. Oh, it's so um, clever. Not. But it is um, that that notion, like in con- like a title in within context to that notion, kind of makes sense. But still, it's a garbage. I mean, title. it could be in context and make sense, but it could still suck. Exactly, I'm saying it's yeah. still it's still a, you know whatever he has to like run away from home. You know, like Spider Man. Home run away or some bullshit. I don't know, but like it's homesick. Ugh, it's yeah, I know. It's 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 not good. Not great, Bob. It's not great. All right, let's jump to a little bit of Star Wars news. Adrian Arjona has been casted opposite Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk for the upcoming Cassian Endor series. The show will be released on Disney Plus and serve as a prequel series to Rogue One. Tony Gilroy is attached to write with Stephen Schiff serving as showrunner. Um, Stephen Schiff did The Americans, which I haven't seen it, but I hear fantastic things. Mm-hmm. And Tony Gilroy obviously was kind of like the spearhead on the reshoots of Rogue One. I think yeah, he came, he's got a relationship with Disney. I think he came in and did, and basically from at least his account, fixed Rogue One. Finished Rogue, like the third act. Yeah, you know, basically. Gareth, yeah, kind, him kind, and Gareth Edward kind of played the ball together to finish that third act. And you can make the argument that the third act is the best Star Wars movie ever made. 100%. <laughs> I, I, at least of this new, of this newer like generation of yeah, Star Wars movies, yeah. it's by far like the best of what we've gotten. You know right, what I mean? Right. But yeah, I mean, this is exciting. I, I can't wait to, to see this. Um, you know, uh, I was a fan of Cassian in Rogue One. He was, I think, one of my favorite characters. And uh, to see, like, what they're going to do and how they're going to, like, I'm, I'm curious to see, like, what this is going to really be, like, about. If they're going to, like, like literally go, like, if it's going to play up to Rogue One or if it's going to be, like, you know, his origin, how he came. Well, he's got a really interesting origin story because he comes from a separatist family. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah, so then you can go into the whole notion of how he broke away from a separate family and kind of, I guess, chose the right path, so to speak. But to me, like, yes, yes, yes. I love this. Look, regardless of what you think of this sort of new regime of Lucasfilms and how they've handled these movies, um, regardless of that, because, I mean, let's be real, some of these movies have been shite. You're just like me. Trash! What? Uh, Star Wars has always had the notion of bringing in co people of color. You, mm -hmm. know, you think of Billy Dee Williams with Lando, Samuel L. Jackson with Mace Windu, and that was really continued over to this new series, obviously with John Boyega, Rosemary Tran, but Latinos are like in the forefront. and Especially on like the Disney Plus series. Yeah, so we have Pedro Pascal leading the Mandalorian. We have now fucking Cassian Andor, Diego Luna, who played a major role in Rogue One now getting his own show. Mm -hmm. We have obviously Oscar Isaac who played a big role in the in the latest uh, Skywalker Saga trilogy. And now we're adding um, Ad Adriana Orjona. Uh, is that how you say her name? I I'm sorry. Uh, Adria. Adria Orjona. Yeah, so that is just super exciting to me. It does mean a lot. Like, it does matter. It fucking does matter, you know, seeing your people up there. And um, I, the little bit that I've seen from her so far, I've liked. Like, I liked her in Pacific Uprising. Right. Even though I wasn't crazy about the movie. I liked her in Triple <laughs> Frontier. Uh, we're not going to talk about Six Underground. I mean, I think. she's good in Six Underground, but, but the movie's just I'm terrible. Just, I'm like erasing that movie out of my head. You know head. what's weird about that, too, is that Six Underground which was just such a such a mess that, like, I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you if, like, the acting was good. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, that's just what I'm how saying. much if of a movie, jumbled mess that movie so, was. It was literally just a bleh. Yeah. Just a, a, yeah, it just jump, jump a lot, and yes. you just couldn't even, like, pick it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not even counting that, but uh, I'm excited to see what they're going to do moving forward. And it's just... Um, I love this notion that they're still continuing kind of pushing uh, I, people of color, especially Latinos, like in the yeah. forefront. Like, thank you, Star Wars. Thank you, Lucasfilm. And uh, uh, yeah, that's and, kind of my take on it. And then the other thing, too, is that uh, Cassian's obviously a spy. I am a spy! So, like, mm -hmm. it'd be cool to see, like, a kind of, like, almost like an espionage kind of dealings in, like, the underground of, like, the Star Wars world. Yeah, you and know he doesn't... I mean? Yeah, like, give me... Like, that'd be really to cool. To me, one of the pivotal moments one of the biggest pivotal moments is in um is in rogue one when we first see uh casting andor on that trading outpost in the ring of Kathleen when he meets with like his um i guess it's like his like informant or yes. something and his arms busted and he like he's like i can't escape because of my arm and he just fucking kills him he just kills him he's that like, moment no. you're like all right shit like yeah. we're, we're in this so give me more of that give me more mm -hmm. of just like look it's i'm a spy there's no bullshitting and seeing Here's a story. And you get to see kind of like maybe over the course of the series how like his morals get like kind of twisted, yeah, and like you which know. we're definitely going to get. Yeah. Like, I'm obviously kind of separating away from Separate's family, and then we'll we'll see like the growth and K2SO Alan Tudyk, like you said, is coming back, so that's exciting yep. because their relationship is great. And uh, and yeah, uh, I, I I do understand that this is a whole notion of like why are we going back and revisiting characters that we already know when the universe is so vast. I get that, but I'm starting to get a little more excited for this because I did kind of have that idea at first, mm -hmm. like why are we doing casting Andor when we can be doing so much other stuff, right? But I'm starting to get more and more excited. And Mandalorian's proven that they kind of have good, some good people involved in the television department. Yes. So, yeah. That's also the other thing that, that people don't mention either is, is the fact like with like the Mandalorian and with this casting Endor series and hopefully with the Obi-Wan series is, yes, we are revisiting certain characters that we've seen before, but it's the worlds that they live in that we get to expand upon. Because like, you know, we're, we've always been kind of stuck with the Skywalker, Walker, blah, with the Skywalker saga in like this you know, narrow view of like, of like the galaxy. And there's mm -hmm. so much more to explore. And like each of these characters come from all different backgrounds and they've gone through their own personal shit, like mm -hmm. throughout, like, you know, the, the world. So to kind of see like these, these, these areas that they're in, like that's, that's cool to me. Like, I, yeah. like, I want to see more of that. Yeah. It's also to go back to another Rogue One moment when she's like, when we first, when, um, um, Jen is captured mm -hmm. on well, Banya, I believe it's the planet, and you just get that stormtrooper like all dirty, just kind of like leaning. <laughs> he's just done with his he's, day. Yeah, he's like, I've had a long <laughs> fucking day. Like, kind of gives more insight into something. Like, I want more of that. Yeah, like, yeah. More insight into this world, to these characters. So, yeah, I'm more excited for this. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right, we're gonna run through some uh, some other interesting news that has dropped over the last couple of weeks. New concept art and behind the scenes photos have been released for James Cameron's Avatar sequels. The concept art revealed some new designs for vehicles using the film, and the behind the scenes photos revealed a massive practical set built on their New Zealand studios. Uh, Your favorite movie, bro. So, so for those of you that don't know, I am not the biggest Avatar fan. I think it's one of the most overrated movies ever made. Um, but I do recognize that. <laughs> look, look, I mean, my, my, my biggest thing is that 
Like, I love James Cameron as a filmmaker. I think he's made some of the greatest movies of all time. And obviously, he's made some of the most successful movies of all time, considering that both Titanic and Avatar were the number one movie um, box office wise for like the longest time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, I love Aliens. I love the Terminator series. So it's disappointing to me. Yeah, it's just so much. Like, like, and like, if you look at his resume, like, it's not that big, Mm -hmm. but just the movies he's made are just juggernauts. Yeah. And it's just upsetting to me like as a fan of, of him and, and his creative mind and the original movies that he's made, that he's basically spending the rest of his career doing Avatar movies. But, you know, I think the flip side of that is I think he's more interested now in advancing the technology of filmmaking than he is with telling us with, with telling stories. Mm-hmm. I think that that's kind of where his head has been at. And I think he's always been about that. He's always been kind of like the guy at the forefront of pushing the bar in what you can do in a film when it comes to special effects and technology and things like that. So that I understand. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't like the first Avatar, but I'm gonna I'm gonna see the trailer for the second one, and I'm gonna be jazzed up for it because it is James Cameron, and he is just one of the greatest filmmakers around. So, uh, for what's been shown so far, it has been pretty cool. I really like these uh, these vehicles, and I know the sequel is gonna delve into like the uh, the underwater aspect. Yeah, which is gonna be awesome. Which should be pretty I'm really awesome. Excited to yeah, see. Especially, especially like what he did with the Abyss. Right, with the Abyss, and then just him in general, who just. You know, he's done movies of him like going in like these little subs down to like, the bottom explorer. of the ocean. He's an explorer. Yeah, so. he's a, he's a magician. He yes. loves to explore. And yeah. yeah, and yeah, like the one in, the one ship looks pretty much similar to like the flying vehicles we got from the first one, just right. like an underwater version. And then we have like the spider. Crab. It's like a crab kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. looking which obviously <laughs> yeah. is going to be used to like maybe explore like the ocean floor or something like that. And then the practical set, like you were saying, he liked he does like to push a sort of visual boundaries. But he's also a big practical guy. Yes. If you think about what he did with the Aliens movies, the Terminator movies, and yes, I get it. That was a much different time then. But seeing this massive practical set and the attention to detail kind of gives me some like old school James Cameron going back to that practical notion. And that's also really exciting to see. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it is unfortunate that, you know, he's spending so much fucking time with these Avatar movies when he's done movies like True Lies, Aliens, like Terminator, like, <laughs> give me more of that. I know. Uh, but, uh, yeah, once that trailer comes out for Avatar 2, uh, we know he loves, he, we know Cameron cuts some fucking great he trailers. Does. So he does. I'm, I'm like, we're like a little salty now. I like Avatar. I like it's fine to me. But once that trailer comes out, I'm going to be like, damn it, Cameron, <laughs> why are you do this to me? But, yeah, I'm excited. All right, moving on to uh, some news for Blumhouse. Elizabeth Moss Production Company, Love and Squalor Pictures, is teaming up with Blumhouse Pictures to develop a feature film from the upcoming Virginia Fieto psychological thriller novel, Mrs. March, in which Moss will play the title role. Um, I actually really didn't read up on this. What is Mrs. March about? I've no, it hasn't even come out yet. It hasn't even come out yet. No. So we don't even know like, like a plot. No, but from what I've read, Elizabeth Moss kind of read the whole book in one sitting, and then she made phone calls right away. She was Damn. like, we need to fucking do this. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I'm not the biggest Elizabeth uh, Elizabeth Moss fan, but she does have a pretty big following. Like I remember when we went to see Invisible Man. Like oh, there was tons. Yeah, there were so there many people, people that there. were like yeah, they well, were there for her. It, I think it's all because of the Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, that that's got to be what it is. Yeah, but um, she obviously I I did enjoy her in uh, the Invisible Man, and this kind of like we said before is kind of becoming her niche. These yes. sort of like thriller movies, like between this us Handmaid's Tale, which has like darker themes. So um, and the fact that she has got has a good relationship with Blumhouse, like good for her so yeah i guess once we find out who the director is and more information we'll report back on it definitely Mm -hmm. all right uh so this this is an interesting one that i actually had that i was surprised that i wanted to talk about it um so director morgan cooper last year made a viral trailer uh and it had like it was basically a dramatic reboot of the fresh prince of Mm bel-air and now it's officially in the works the project is being co-produced by Universal TV and Will Smith's production company, Westbrook Studios. It is currently being shopped around to streamers, including HBO Max, Peacock, and Netflix. Yeah, so I saw this, and usually when it comes to like TV shows that are getting rebooted or kind of reimagined, it's normally like, Ugh, why, why are we doing this? And mm-hmm. I saw the same thing when this was announced. I saw people saying, why are we doing this? This is so stupid, blah, blah, blah. But I saw the trailer, and I saw the kind of vibe and, and angle they were going for, and I was like, this could actually work. I think this is this could really like be something special, especially like if they find the right you know, studio to kind of house this under and like if they make it with the right people, I think this could be really good. I know like, like especially recently, like I saw like they uh, they did a reboot of, not reboot, I guess it's kind of like a sequel series to Saved by the Bell and it was, yeah. and it was awful. Or like Fuller House. Or like Fuller House yeah. or um, I think they tried to do um, Although I will of- say that some of the episodes of Fuller House that I watched, I did enjoy. I will be honest. All right. 
<laughs> for the most part. But like, and then they tried to do Party of Five, which I know didn't work out too well. So did they do Freaks and Geeks too? No, they never did. They okay. didn't bring Freaks and Geeks back, which they that that would probably be pretty cool too, especially like for a modern take. But but with this, I think it could actually work. I really think that having a modern spin on it and leaning it to a more dramatic uh, take on it, I think it's I think it's a good idea. Yeah, and um, just kudos to the dude, man. Like that's the dream. That's the goal. P- you know, putting so much time and effort into something, have it. Uh, be enjoyed by so many other people and yeah. then picked up by like fucking Will Smith right. and then your your little vision becomes something huge. So that's the dream. The guy's living the dream. He's he's he he did it. Yeah. So good for him. And uh and yeah, just kinda we rewatched the trailer again just to kinda like freshen up. And um I always kinda talk about how like music and it's like it's like rhythm, mm-hmm. the way like the flow of, of things and and I think there were a lot of like sort of editorial choices that were made in that trailer with the music, with the footage that just kind of flowed very well. And it kind of and it's very like appealing. So he clearly has uh, an eye for what he wants to do. He's he clearly he's clearly very creative and um, and talented. So I also saw that he's going to get like um, co-executive producer credit. He's going to write. He's going to direct. So right. They're, like, they're, like they're letting him. They're, yeah, they're giving yeah. him creative control, and, and and that's great. You know, kind of bring up um, this new generations of filmmakers of tor- of storytellers, and that's awesome to see. And um, depending where I think depending where it goes is going to have a, a big impact because I feel like also given the times with everything that's going on today with Black Lives Matter and all that movement, um, I just hope they don't get too. I, I don't think they're going to get too shy. For from from like some of the subject matters and uh i hope that they just find like the right uh, i guess right distributor that's going to let them have sort of creative control right and and like i also don't think like i actually think it's kind of kind of had the opposite effect because of like the kind of climate that we're in right now and, and all the things that are going on i think more and more studios um are trying to get stories cool that that kind of deal with 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 this kind of subject matter and i would just you know and it's it goes without saying that that i would just think they're going to bring some of that into this fresh prince this fresh prince uh, reboot mm-hmm. um but you know i i would think there's gonna be a bidding war for this i would think that a lot of these a lot of these streaming services are going to be jumping at to, to get at this and and uh and yeah because it it's like a Danny medina will smith and quincy jones so right like pretty much the people who were involved with the and obviously, those are like those are names. Like you hear Will Smith, yes. your fucking ears perk up. Right, exactly. And that's not a joke at Will Smith's ears. <laughs> I call myself right away, but I'm just I'm just saying. You know what I mean? All right. Before we get into our main topics, Martin, the Rona is at it again. Fucking Rona, the fucking bro. Rona. The annual <laughs> ruthless. <laughs> the annual New York Comic Con, which was set to be held in October at the Javis Center, is going virtual this year. Time to go mobile. The event is partnering up with YouTube to provide a continuous stream of free panels available to watch on their channel. I mean, this is kind of expected at this point, and uh, I would assume it's probably going to go the exact same way as, as how San Diego did theirs, mm-hmm. which is streaming their panels online. Or Justice Con. Or Justice Con. Mm-hmm. Um, my only thing is, is hopefully that New York kind of gets something something good, because I, cause I feel like with Marvel and DC basically skipping the San Diego, it didn't have that same uh Well, that all same the DC hype. news is going to be at the, at the Dome. At the Dome. Right, so... That that is the thing because I uh, I've gone to New York Comic Cons many times. We weren't able to go last year because we had a wedding. Uh, you bought your ticket. And then you got... I bought my ticket and then I was like, oh, it's Miller's wedding. Yeah, Miller. <laughs> hashtag the Eric Miller. Hashtag the Eric Miller. We love the Eric Miller. Um, but yeah, I've gone a couple times. The I've gone, I've gone a couple times before that, and it's I don't think New York Comic Con is one for news. I think um, it's, every... yeah, it's usually it's usually the little brother compared to yeah, San like Diego. It, every now and then it has it does have some kind of. Uh, good stories here and there but for the most part it's about just that sort of convention experience that community right um i love going to conventions and that's what it's all about it's about going there being with people that um have some similar interests with you that share similar passions and like just those interactions those those conversations waiting in line or going to you know buying toys and all this crazy shit that's what it's mostly about so um the fact that we're not going to be able to get that is is a little upsetting but at the same time hopefully they can use this as a way to maybe kind of increase their audience because now literally everyone's just at home. Right. So like, hey, give the people a couple bucks to just come on screen, show their faces, make the fans go crazy. Yeah. And maybe we can attract more like traction and attract more people. So I think there's um there's an there's a uh, uh, pro and con to to this sort of so to speak and um. Yeah, uh, I we enjoyed Senior Comic Con for the most part. Yeah, I mean it was cool watching a lot of different panels, especially yeah. it would have been stuff that we wouldn't have seen if we had actually gone to the event. Right, and you can just and the thing is that you can watch it uh, whenever you want. Right. And, you know, so if you, if you couldn't if you miss it, you can come back and watch it at another time. 
uh, obviously not everyone cares about it, but we're kind of interested in that stuff. So I'm sure they said it's going to be a continuous stream of shit. Right. So whatever, uh, so they, they release, so whatever I, I miss, I can go back and enjoy. And yeah, I mean, it, it's it's cool. And, ho- and hopefully at, by that point, there'll, there'll already be some sort of templates based from what San Diego did, from what Justice Con did, from what the Dome did. Well, so I mean, they can kind of gr- um, grow, grow from that, right. so to speak. And mm-hmm. then already, like, you know, I'm, I'm glad you said that because they're already piggybacking off of off of the dome um, mm-hmm. because they're the, the dome is doing 24 hours straight, like DC that, fandom. Yeah, is, yeah, it's, is 20, it's like continuously, continuously the, for a full 24 hours, which is insane. I don't know how you what, want to talk about fucking hot dogs that we yeah. were talking, like. Those <laughs> yeah. are hot dogs. I know those are hot dogs. Man. Your face, bro. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're gonna kick it off with our main topics, uh, and we're gonna do some trailer reviews. Two new trailers dropped that were absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. One of them is Judas and the Black Messiah, and the other is Netflix is the Devil All the Time. Judas and the Black Messiah is an upcoming American biographical drama film about Fred Hampton and the Black Panther Party in the 1960s. The film is set to be released next year and stars Daniel Kaluuya, Lakeith Stanfield, and Jesse Plemons. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther Party. And then next we got The Devil All the Time, which is an upcoming American psychological thriller film based on the novel of the same name by Donald Ray Pollock. The film is set in Ohio between the end of World War II and the beginning of the Vietnam War and follows a nonlinear storyline of various disturbed people who suffer from the damages of the post-war and crime. Ugh. It is set to be released September 16th on Netflix and it stars Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, and Bill Skarsgård. And a Among ton of, of other yeah. people. Amongst others. Yeah. So let's let's go back. We're going to go with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah first. This kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I remember when Daniel Kaluuya got like cast as Fred Hampton, but I completely forgot that that they, they were just making this movie. And then it came out, and dude, this trailer is, this trailer is this fucking trailer is fire, pre-workout. Man. It is it's, pre-workout. It's, it's adrenaline fuel. Black Panthers are forming a rainbow coalition of oppressed brothers and sisters of every color. Their aim is to sow hatred and inspire terror. I will learn all that I can. I These ain't no terrorists. You know, and the way it's cut and the music yes. and uh, the, the voiceover, everything is fucking pre-written. It's really, it's really awesome. And uh, it also just sets up an interesting story, something that um, a lot that I didn't know about, especially when it comes to this. It looks like in the trailer, uh, Lakeith Stanfield gets into some shit. Mm-hmm. Jesse Plemons catches him and is like, hey, I'm going to use you. You need to spy on, uh, you're going to be my spy in this Black Panther party. In the Black Panther party. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. But it's 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 dope, man. And um the thing that I love about it is I think both Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield, like they're like up and comers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they've, this is like, this is a nice reunion from Get Out, which is really cool. And these guys, I think have just been crushing it with the, each of the roles that they've been taking. And, you know, I think that they're destined for really big things. And I think this is just going to continue it. Uh, you know, the, if the, if the movie lives up to the trailer, this kind of has Oscar written all over it. That's for, the thing. I mean, you can cut a good movie to, you can cut a good trailer to a bad movie. Well, that's, but. that's the other thing. Like, so Warner Brothers especially is fantastic at cutting trailers and they're even better at cutting great trailers for shit movies. <laughs> and I got a little bit of Black Mass vibes from this trailer because Black Mass, even if you remember, had some fantastic trailers. Yeah. And the movie, unfortunately, did not live up to the hype of its trailers. I did like Black Mass. I thought it had a fantastic Giant Depp performance. But the movie was a little, it just, it was a little flat. And it didn't have like that that height. And all that like I the intimidating Giant Depp moments were in the trailer. Exactly. So actually, yeah, it's a good so, point. So it kind of lost a little bit of it. Um, you know, I hope that this isn't like that. You know, I hope that the tra- the trailer is a nice starting point for sure, and it gets me excited to see the movie. So I hope that this kind of has that same height. It's not going to be like that. You know why? Because fucking like he Stanfield. That's why. I know the guy he is just a picks stud. Good projects. The guy is a fucking stud. I don't know if it's him or it's his agent or what, but the guy picks good projects. Kind of like we were talking about Zac Efron. Yeah. Of how he doesn't really pick the best products for whatever reason. Yes. Like he Stanfield does. Yes. And he picks little pro- um, projects here and there some are bigger some rules are bigger than others but he's always good and majority of the time his movies are great mm-hmm. even that that movie The Photograph yes. which I, the trailer was just garbage I'm like I did not care for this movie I thought this was just him kind of coming in and cashing a check yeah like you go ahead you Wait, can did you see that? that no I didn't oh, see okay. that but I have uh, two friends who saw it, and they both actually enjoyed it. Really? And when they told me that, I was like, wait, what? So I actually <laughs> went back and looked into it, and it got fairly good reviews. No, I did get good reviews so, when it came out. So that just, again, kind of go is that notion. And 
like you were saying, this almost has like reverse Black Klansman vibes of how like a cop infiltrated the Klan. Yes. Now you have like the almost a police infiltrated the Black mm-hmm. Panther Party yeah, in yeah. this sort of way. So this trailer is fantastic. The movie looks fantastic. And I have no fucking doubt that the movie is going to be good because of the people involved. Because I even agree. Jesse Plemons is also one of those people who just picks good projects. He picks good projects. Yeah. It doesn't matter how big the role is. Right. He picks good projects and he's always great in them. Yes. And, uh, you know, Meth Damon, as we Meth like Damon, to call him. Yeah. Um, except for Observer and Report. I'm not going to count him for that. <laughs> That movie. Dude, he's, dude, he's hilarious in Observe Report, though. <laughs> I hate that movie. If you go back and watch some scenes, though, he's fucking hysterical. Yeah, well, he's that. always That's great. That's what I mean, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, this cast is fantastic, and um, and I, I'm i so dope for it. I'm so excited for this movie. I had, Like you said, I totally forgot about it. I had no idea about it. You told me about the trailer. I don't watch trailers. Yeah, so you Nick try had, not to. Yeah, so well, Nick was like, come watch this trailer. Fucking watch this. I'm like, all right, put it on. And I was like ready to like fucking bench press right after yeah. that, man. It was awesome, and uh, I'm excited for this. Uh, I'm also glad what you said about uh, Lakeith Stanfield, because... Like he's he's a guy who will take starring roles and he'll take supporting roles and uh, wh- like it, it was funny because like he doesn't have a really big role in Knives Out mm-hmm. but he's he stands out. He, he stands I wouldn't out. say it's, it, it's a small role, I would say, but it's a prominent role. It's a prominent role, right. and and it's one of those projects that you think because I because I think when you're you know especially with him when you have that kind of talent and you know it's it's almost like you know. I want, I'm going to take this project. It's not it's not a big role, but like it's with Ryan Johnson and it's with this amazing cast of people and and he just feels it out. Yeah, like if you if you were to take like um if you were to take like Straight Outta Compton and uh, and Knives Out and Get Out, like you take a handful of his movies, probably no more than what like 40 minutes screen time, right? Like max. But he stands out. In but every he single fucking one. stands out. Yes, yeah, and, I would agree. And uh, we were just talking about the 1001 movies to that you're gonna watch. The fact that Sorry to Bother You was on there yeah. is also a big credit to him because he's act, he's actually the lead in that movie. Yes. And that movie, as crazy as it it's fucking a gets, movie. It is a wild movie, but it's I really enjoy it. I, I really too. like it, and I think he's fantastic in it. And, I, and like you said, I think both him and Dion Kaluuya just have a, a bright future ahead of him. Yes. The fact that he's that he just hides his accent with no problem, like it's fucking crazy. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. All right, now let's jump on to The Devil All the Time, which we've been hearing about for a all while. The all the time. Yeah, no, how about of all time? Uh, we've been hearing about this for a while, about how crazy the cast is, and uh, Netflix dropped the poster first, which the poster's really cool. I actually really like how they did it. Just and flexing the cast. Just flexing the cast, and then they dropped this trailer, and it's it's awesome. Yeah. It's 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 really it's really good, uh, and obviously, you know, going off of the plot, it's going to be a nonlinear storyline. Which is always fun. Which is always fun. And it's if, gonna, done right. <laughs> if, if, if done right. If done right. If done right. And it looks like um, just some of the things that I noticed, uh, Bill Skarsgård is playing the younger version of Tom Holland's father. Um, Tom Holland seems to be like, he's kind of like the, uh, he's going to be the glue of all these storylines because mm-hmm. obviously it seems like it's centering on him. And it looks like he's getting ready to go to the Vietnam War or he's coming or he came back from it. Like, I don't, I don't know, know what's I, happening, but yeah. he, it, it looks awesome. It does look awesome. And... Fucking Robert Pattinson, man, with that accent. Batman and Spider-Man in the same movie. I mean, yeah. come on. But yeah, that accent, because at first it was voiceover. I don't yes. know if they did it intentionally to kind of show off. Maybe. But at first it's voiceover, and it's just like, like very genuine, yeah. real Southern accent. And then they cut to him speaking. I was like, what the but fuck? But not even just a Southern accent. Like, that sounds like a Southern preacher. Like, yeah. It's it, like, just like it. Blessed are they the hunger and thirst for righteousness. That ain't no preacher. He's as bad as they got on the damn radio. I was like, but then when you cut to him and you see that voice coming out of him, I'm like, it just, it's, it feels wrong. I know. I'm like, it doesn't feel like that's Robert Pattinson. Yeah. But Tom Holland, I feel like ever since he came on board with Spider-Man, he's kind of, um, I feel like he's blown up, but his movies have gone into the radar. Like he had like the Benedict Cumberbatch movie, like The Art of War or something oh, like right, that. Right, right. He had like the, the voiceovers of Spy in the Skies with Onward. He was doing like that Daisy Really movie. He was doing Uncharted. So a lot of the shit that he was like announced to do when he kind of like blew up on the scene has either like fizzled out, fizzled out, or it's, or, or it's had production troubles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this is so this is kind of aside from the because you saw the Impossible right with Naomi Watts. That's yes. where I first saw yes, him. And he which, was great. He's great in that. Yeah, and the movie itself was really good too. Um, but this kind of like our first time really seeing him voiceover aside, like outside of the Marvel Spider-Man sort of umbrella. Right. And he looks fantastic. I, I did not see Peter Parker at all. Nope. I didn't see um, Spider-Man or anything. Like, I just saw he really goes into this character and I think that's that I, that really makes me happy because I think it's tough sometimes for these sort of MCU actors to kind of shake that off. Yeah. And the fact that he's able to do that so well 
and really sell this character and, and almost like sell a trailer, so to speak. It's like yeah. it's, it's a testament to him. Well, that, that's the other thing too. And I think you could say this about the entire cast, you know, when it comes to Tom Holland or Pattinson or Bill Skarsgård, oh my um, God, J- uh, uh, Jason Clark, Riley Coe, um, Sebastian, really- Sebastian Stan, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's, it's, you have all these, all these guys who are really good at just playing characters. And I think that that's, that's the strength of this movie so far is that they're playing these characters and you don't see these actors, you see the character. And that to me is, is one of the hardest parts, especially this when you have like, bigger names. If you have like a sort of market for, like this movie falls in a certain market and these actors are the superstars of that market. Yes. Like Riley Cuff, like you were saying, Sebastian yeah. Sam, Ryan Pan, like it's almost like, it's almost like indie movies. Right. But they're very smaller story during movies and this is like almost like an all-star cast of like a, of like a indie movie, so yeah. to speak. And, uh, I don't know if it's Co or Cuff, whatever. Oh yeah, yeah, I'm not sure but either. <laughs> I'm rooting for her. I I love Riley Cuff. I think she's again, she's just kind of had um, some bad luck with some movies, um, and so I'm really excited to. I'm really hoping that she kind of stands out in this, and yeah, just. The rest of the cast is just incredible. Yeah, I, mean, I can't wait for this. I mean, I'm I'm definitely like like I'm a big Jason Clark fan. I think he's a little underrated, mm-hmm. and I like most of the roles that he does. Uh, and then um, I also hope like like we know. Like Holland should be great. Robert Pattinson is going to be great. Um, but I hope this is also a nice standout for Bill Skarsgård because I think he's a really good actor. And I, I don't want to see him kind of fall. Um, like, I don't want Pennywise to be like the biggest thing that he does. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and that's kind of what like I'm afraid of, because if you look at like a lot of other like people that have played iconic like horror characters, that's kind of all that they've done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Much, so yeah. like, I didn't want this guy to kind of fall by the wayside. You know, I think he's got a lot of talent. I liked him in Atomic Blonde for the part that he was in well, it. Well, I've seen him in two other movies since then. He's been great. He, yeah, yeah. I saw him. Um, have you seen Villains? With, I, haven't, um, I haven't seen Michael Villains. Monroe. It's yeah, fun. Yeah. It's a it's lot a of fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Uh, so he was great in Villains and he was, yeah, and he was great in Atomic Blonde too. Yeah. So I think, I mean, obviously we're, we're not like the general audience, but just, uh, I've been. I saw him in two other movies, and I thought that he completely shook off the Pennywise role. And when you think about how he first came on the scene to play Pennywise, remember everyone was like in a fucking uproar. Yeah. Like this guy, this kind of like pretty face, tall, model-looking dude. Right. Um, and he just completely he fucking crushed it, man. Knocked it out of the park. Like, like he made he made Pennywise like like an iconic. Yeah, villain. and even like the look, people yeah. were complaining about the look. But look, this is one of those things where you just have to trust the creator's visions, and obviously it played out. It worked really well, and he looks. Uh, that just shot of him going up to the cross with a, 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 a fucking predator was yeah, in the war. Man. Like it was like, like skin. Yeah. It was like a skin. Per- I didn't know predator wasn't like World War One or whatever. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, everything about this trailer I really enjoyed. I got like it was like a mixture of like kiss the girls and like Zodiac, like all yeah. these different vibes that I got. So especially with like the f- with the photography and everything. So I'm excited. Yeah. I- I'm really excited. And like you said, that poster was just awesome. Right. And the other thing I like is that it's coming out really soon. It comes yeah. out in the middle of September. So like we don't have to wait too long for it. What um, what else has that director done? Because they really sold his name. And I they, they sold his name and I meant to look it up before we did this, but I don't, I, I'm not 100% sure. But, okay. but apparently like obviously he's done some good stuff before if they're like pushing his name. At, yeah, like, the he didn't get a chance to look either. Yeah. <laughs> a few moments later. Uh, looking up the director and literally I've, I've not heard of these movies. He's done uh, After School, um, The First Omen, Homemade. The, oh, he did The Sinner and an episode of The Punisher. He did a movie called After School, Simon Killer, Pandora. I haven't heard of these movies. So, yeah. uh, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll we'll see. See. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he directed The Punisher and The Sinner, which are both like well-renowned shows. So, right. Yeah, I guess we'll see. All right. So let's uh, let's jump on to some DC news, neither of which are good, which uh, kind of sucks. But so Warner Media has begun a massive <sighs> round of layoffs amid the coronavirus pandemic. The layoffs have affected hundreds of staffers, including high level figures at DC Comics. According to sources, roughly one third of, pu- of the publishing company's editorial ranks have been laid off, as well as a majority of the staff at the streaming service D- DC Universe. Mm-hmm. So this is disappointing on a number of levels. Um, one is that you have a lot of people losing their jobs, which like this is obviously a big problem throughout like you know the world because of this this virus. But now you have it here, and it, and it sucks to see, um, you know, especially like, you know, I I think you know I can say this for the both of us. If we worked at DC, we'd be fucking over the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like it's like almost like a dream job. So to to lose that is I'm sure uh, it was a dream job for a lot of people. That's what I mean. So mm-hmm. to lose that has to be extremely disappointing and. The other side of this that's that's a little alarming is, and, and you told me this, I didn't even think of this, is that this could mean the death of comic books. 
I think it is. At least the, the, the beginning of the end, because it all started when DC broke away from uh, Diamond Comic Distributors. Which was the overseas distributor. Which was the overseas, and that's probably like, that's like the big guy, did DC, did Marvel, mm-hmm. like did a lot of stuff. And, you know, when they broke away, they said they were going solo. Um, so you basically told me that this is li- like, they're basically starting to make a push towards doing everything digital, and they're no longer going to do print. Well, I don't think it's a more... Okay, look, it's obviously a very complicated situation right. going on, but um, I don't think it's so much more of like going a push. To, I think I, all right, I have I have some sources, and from what I've heard from some of my friends who work at comic book shops and who have heard whispers and stuff, is it's more the fact that AT and T are more of like a tech and innovative company, and that they supposedly don't really care about the DC Comics brand. They're Which is more a shame of, because DC Comics is is like they care about the IP. They care about the IP, right? They care about, you know, essentially the, how we can keep the, the IP alive and how we can keep this sort of, uh, you know, characters and everything, how, how we can how we can use those characters to make money. But in terms of publishing and comics, when you think of when you think of how, uh, I mean, I guess like the mark, I don't really know the number so much of the market, but um, just the way it, it's, it is a little diluted, mm-hmm. so to speak. Like there are a lot of like storylines and it just kind of, it kind of begs the question, like, out of these 40 lines that are going out, which one is creative? Which one's attracting people? Right. And then, you know, and then you have all these sort of like re- reboots and annuals and variants, all these things that are sort of being into play that are sort of trying to attract people and trying to boost sales, which is nice. But at the same time, it almost has like a counter effect because then I can't cu- fucking keep up. Right. There's there's almost too much that you yeah, can't, so then you then can't there's stay so, focused. So what's the point of investing my time into these like 12 issue run? Then it's going to get rebooted. What's the point? Right. Right. The, the only thing that I'll say to that is, is why I do agree with you. Do you think that this could, um, because the the one thing that that uh, that I'm I'm seeing with this is that they're going to be cutting down on storylines and only doing like a couple of main ones, mm-hmm. but isn't this going to take away people's voices like in this comic world that write stories and draw and color and ink and all that other kind of stuff? You know, it, like all the talent that 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 is involved currently is now going. There's going to be less of it. Well, that's going to happen, obviously. Right. But and this there's two sides to this yes mm-hmm. obviously that's that's the shitty part that all these people are going to lose their jobs and all these all storytellers are, aren't going to be able to tell some of the stories that they want but at the same time if you sort of focus on just x amount of stories and maybe they can be better right then you know maybe you can have uh more creativity just involved into x amount of stories and you can just kind of push that moving forward so even though that is unfortunate because the market right now is like it is a little bit diluted and overwhelmed in terms of everything that's going on maybe if you cut it down then you can tell better stories so to speak so there is a flip side to both right i just think i just think it's unfortunate because this this is just like the the way the kind of world is i'm also worried about like what effect this is going to have on like comic book shops well, that's that's the problem. Yeah. Like, uh, event, they're the next blockbuster. Right. That's what it is. Everything is going digital nowadays. Um, Which is going to suck, man, because I love going into comic book shops and like, yeah. just looking at... I think, like, the big vendor, like, obviously, like, Midtown Comics, the ones right. we go to, like, I think they'll be okay for the foreseeable future, but a lot of these smaller independent comic I mean. book yeah. shops, they're, yeah, they're going to close. That's... This is a, this has been in the making for a long time. Like I know, I know they've, they've had a lot of like it's it's like a slow it's been a slow thing. Yeah, that, and like, my more friends who work in comic book shops like they tell me that like pull lists have gone down, that sales have gone down from a physical aspect, but right. in terms of digital sales, they're still somewhat relatively okay mm-hmm. because it is that notion of like okay, I'm in my couch, I can just pull up the comic book, I can buy it right in there, right then and there for the same price and just read it, right? Rather than getting on the fucking subway for three bucks, going to the shop, picking it up, yeah. another three bucks, come home, and yeah, it is nice to have that sort of physical uh, medium, so to speak. Especially mm-hmm. like we we both really enjoy that, but again, this is that sort of sense of like conveniency and I guess sort of comfort. And that's just kind of, it's it's unfortunate, but I think um, I think with, with it's very soon, it, very soon a lot of these uh, comic book shops are going to go out of business. I think it's like I remember when I first I remember reading comic books when I was younger, like in the library. Yeah, like that was cool. Like right. going, well, I mean, maybe not cool for everyone, but fucking nerds. <laughs> but like that was cool, like going to the library and like reading these comic books, and, and like now libraries don't even really have like any I sort know. of value, like. Books you get from Amazon, download them on your Kindle. Like it's just a whole new world, and unfortunately, um, the comics just haven't really been able to adapt to that. And there has been a little bit of like a politics situation because a lot of people argue that they're tailoring to a sort of older audience, like the Bronze Age and all that, um, and not really attracting younger audiences. Some people will say otherwise, like no, the younger audience is really interested, mm-hmm. it really cares. But long story short, I think 
it kind of I, I think it's the fact that sort of AT&T took over and I think that they just don't really see the need for they don't see the value in the in the in the print anymore. other than the IP right right so that's kind of how I uh, how I see it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one the last thing I'll say to that before we move on is if you guys do read comic books if you guys do have a favorite comic book shop just go there and just start buying some stuff. Yeah. You know, just, just kind of support support your local shops. None, none of like, I mean, like, obviously, like Midtown is Midtown, but like if you have a shop near you, I know, you know, where my parents' house is, I have a shop that's near me. Um, I plan on going there very soon and buying up a bunch of stuff and just, just, just support these guys because, you know, like Martin was saying, you don't know how much longer they're going to be in business. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I could be 100% wrong. Yeah. For all we know, they'll find new life at some point. But right. I have seen the sort of, I've seen the sort of decline for a long time. And then the shop that was near here, remember that it, closed. It closed, yeah. And that's where I, that's where I was, when, when Rebirth first launched, that's where I used to go to get my shit. Right. Um, and then that closed about a couple months ago. Uh, every now and then I hesitantly check in on the store in Newark, New Jersey that I used to go to all the time called Fortress of Solitude. It is a great store. It's near the Rutgers campus. So if you are in the area, definitely go and support them. It's a great place. And um, and yeah, it's sad. It's unfortunate. But that's just the times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So while keeping on the subject of D.C., actor Ray Fisher is back in the news as he took to social media once again to express more concerns over the troubled Justice League reshoots. The actor tweeted out the following. During the L.A. reshoots of Justice League, Jeff Johns summoned me to his office to belittle and admonish my and my agent's attempts to take grievances up the proper chain of command. He then made a thinly vile threat to my career. This behavior cannot continue. Accountability over entertainment. Entertainment, right. Uh, I mean, we, we kind of we really delved into this a couple weeks ago when he first uh, brought these concerns to Twitter. Um, so it's just a little bit more of a step into this insight. I know he came out and said that he can't go into specifics because he's still under like an NDA and he can get sued. But I think at this point he is just like, and I think you even said it, that he's that he's basically out I of cyborg yeah. and he's kind of has no more fucks to give. And he's just kind of like now he's just bringing all this at the forefront. Mm-hmm. And look, at the same time, um, I applaud him for speaking now and kind of providing a platform for other people who can't possibly speak out, you right. know, like who have smaller voices, this kind of helps their voice be louder. And I applaud you. At the same time, you are making things a little bit uncomfortable for some other people because you know Gal Gadot, ben, you know all of them are going to be like barrage with questions. Right. Jason Moen has a new movie with John Burke and Jeff Johns. Yeah. So for all we know, there could be some, you, you could potentially create some weird moments in, in the room. Right. So, but that aside, like good for you, speak your piece. Um, I love Ray Fisher at Cyborg. He was my favorite part of that shitty Justice League movie. And, um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things where it's like you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean the 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 thing that I'll say about it too is is I'm 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 worried for him because I don't know what this is going to mean for his career, you know, in the sense that like look like I think what he's doing is right. I don't think you're. I don't think that like if what if the allegations he's making are true, then yes, these these people should have to answer for it. Um, you can't treat, you know, your your employees like this because that's basically what they are. Like Ray Fisher is an employee under Jeff Johns because mm-hmm. Jeff Johns was in charge at the time. You know, same thing with, with Joss Whedon. Like you cannot treat your employees like this. But, you know, uh, and, and this has nothing to do with, with, with my opinions towards it, but just looking at it, it's like, you know, he he might not work again because of this, you know. No, because it's very true. It's it's very similar. It's it's a very similar similar stand. Even though like like it's a little bit different politically, but like um, the thing with with Colin Kaepernick when he took a knee, mm-hmm. you know, could he have played somewhere else in in the NFL? Absolutely. Like like he like not saying that he was always the greatest quarterback, but there were teams that definitely could have used his skill set. You know what I mean? But teams just didn't want to deal with the media fire. That was basically why he never got a job. And I'm worried about this for Ray Fisher that you know, because of all this stuff that he's bringing up, that studios aren't going to just want the headache and they're not going to hire him for anything. Right. Now, this goes without saying, obviously, he got a world of support from people saying that they would love to work with him. They would love to hire him for their movie. But until somebody actually does that, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's 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 all it's all just nonsense. It's all people. You can be nonsense. like an upcoming you can be an up and coming director and say, like, oh, yeah, I would love to work with you. Right. But at the end of the day, until the studio you, says no. Then, right. Oh, but no. But and it also goes to the to the director as well. Like until somebody does decide to cast him, like you're just you're saying a bunch of nonsense. You know what right. I mean? So so like, you know, and once Zack Snyder's Jesse comes out and if it ends up being fantastic and he. Or at least, is, is, or at least, if he stands out. That's what I mean. If he stands mm-hmm. out like he did in the in the shitty cut, mm-hmm. which I'm going to call it the shitty cut from <laughs> now on, 
um, you know, that could change for him. You know, maybe somebody could see that and be like, oh, he's actually fantastic. I want him in my movie. You know yeah, what I mean? and uh, I mean, he said he said it during the uh, justice during the Justice Con interview of how you know like. Um, he's like a simple man. He's like, as long as I can sleep, eat, like I'm fine. Yeah. But obviously he's a talented actor and yeah, I, I, I just, um, I'm with you. I just kind of hope this doesn't really ruin any possible opportunities that you can have in the That's future. That's what I mean. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's, let's stay on the, uh, the, I guess production troubles. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender, which has been in development at Netflix for a while. Uh, the original creators, Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konitsko, I'm sorry if I butchered that, um, are no longer involved with the planned live action adaptation of the series. Uh, and they left due to creative differences. They exited the project in June of this year after spending the previous two years developing the show at Netflix. Mm -hmm. So you can look at this a number of ways. You can look at it like actually as creative differences and them not liking the direction Netflix was going in. I kind of look at it a little bit differently. I think this had to do with money. I don't think they're getting paid enough. Really? Yes. That's, I didn't think about that at all. That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Now, not saying that, but I, I, I think the, I saw somebody said this, like the, the amount of work that went into the Nickelodeon show, I think they basically alluded to the fact that they were getting paid more when they were working at Nickelodeon doing the show than, their, than Netflix was paying them for gotcha. doing this live action show. So that could be the creative difference is they were not getting nearly paid enough to probably do more of the work and the and the size and scope of the show i'm sure is going to be massive and i'm sure the episodes were costing a ton and maybe their compensation was nowhere near what they thought it should be and for the amount of work they were doing that's interesting i didn't think about that at all yeah. i actually did see it as creative differences because obviously i'm a big fan of the show i've seen all the episodes i need to watch it. and yeah it's again shame yeah uh, and I, I kind of see it as something that we've sp spoken about many times of how certain mediums, how certain properties don't translate well over certain mediums. Like mm -hmm. just because you're a great comic book writer does not mean you're going to be a great television writer. Right. And just because you're a great TV writer does not mean you're going to be a great movie writer. Right. I love Avatar The Last Airbender, but I do think that some of the jokes and some of the light humors in that were more set towards the sort of Nickelodeon audience. Yes. And I don't think a lot of this, I don't think some of the dialogue and some of the like I said, jokes and humor would have worked well in a live action standpoint. Mm -hmm. And in this point, when you look at sort of Netflix and what they've done with their live action original series, when you think of Stranger Things, which also is like almost like, it, I don't want to say a kid's show, but it's it's focused around kids, but it has darker themes right. and it's done really well. Right. Or even like Narcos or like all all of, from the, like the television department of Netflix for the most part does a pretty good job. They do a really good job. Right. So if we're, if you have these sort of two creators and they're coming over and they're saying like, we should do this because it worked for Nickelodeon and they're saying like, no, you shouldn't do that because that's not going to, we know our audience, we know the markets, we know what works, we've right. done it forever. We don't think that's going to work. If it, if it's that case, then I start with Netflix because right. I think they have enough of a resume to understand what works and what doesn't. Yes. If it is a money situation, like you said, then... I mean, it could also be a little bit of both. It could. You know what I mean? It there could. could be a little bit of both thrown mm -hmm. in there. And I know fans of the of the Avatar show were disappointed that they were exiting because obviously you want the people that created it to be involved. But at the same point, you know, at what point do you get where you're just redoing the show in live action version? You know right. what I mean? So it's like maybe you do need somebody to come and give a different take on it. Like obviously, we. I know that's, that sounds really bad because M.I. Shyamalan did, ju did just that and it turned out horribly. But he stayed true to the characters. It just didn't, he just, it was just not executed well. Right, that's what yeah. I mean. But like the, the, the same thing goes like for this, like I, I think, I think it all depends on who you get in there to take over as showrunners for the show. And I think that'll tell you how it's going to turn out. But I, I'm with you. Like if you look at Netflix's track record with their shows, not so much their movies, but with their shows, right, the TV department. it normally turns out really fucking good. So you know, yeah. I know if you're, if you're disappointed that they left, I would say just wait and see. Just they wait even and have see like it. good scouts. They, they, they're, they have good, like I say scouts, like almost like a sporting scout. But like when they see a show that gets canceled on television, they see the potential that it has. So they bring it over to Netflix. Right, and they bring like back. Lucifer. Yep. Um, is it Lucifer or Luther or whatever? Uh, I think it's um, Lucifer. Lucifer, yes. you, which you haven't seen, which I is a seen, yeah. bonkers show, but it's so successful. Yeah. Um, Dark, obviously, which is like a German show, and they right. were like, we need to bring this over to yep. like this or whatever. So, so yeah, they have the right people involved over there. So yeah, and, and we, it could also be a situation when they're like, look, we cannot have a fucking flying bison. And they're like, dude, you need the fucking flying bison. And right. they're like, no, we're not going to do it. So they're like, all right, fuck you. We're out. I think I think they're doing the flying bison though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. No, yeah. but I'm saying if, if it's something like that where you're oh, taking right, away right. these sort of core essential qualities of the characters, yes. then then that 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 could be another situation. Right. You know, like we right. we don't really know. 
But the money situation is really interesting. I didn't think about that yeah. at all. I do think that there's some sort of um, the way I see it, I do think there's some, some sort of butting heads in regards to the creative approach of the show. That's yes. kind of how I see it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it could also be a little bit of an ego thing too. You know, it's like it's like the Avatar show was so successful. I 100% agree with you. And I, and, I think, and these guys yeah. could have came in being like, we know how this works and I, you don't know yep, shit. Yep. You know what I mean? They could have had that attitude. I, we just, uh, we don't know. We don't really I, know. To be honest, that was the first thing that I thought of. Yeah. When I, when I first read this news, I'm like, oh my God, are they now? Because uh, it has like, it found this sort of new audience on Netflix, so to speak, and it's just kind of blown up in the past couple months. I've gotten a lot more traction. Yeah. I'm like, I hope they're just not like, hey, look what we just did. You know, like, we just kind of, like, brought in more... Like, exactly. I, I hope you need to listen new. to us. Yeah. yeah, and they're like, fuck you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> like, Peace. Yeah, so uh, uh, who knows? Yeah. But I do I do think it's... um, I'm going to lean more towards a creative differences than the money standpoint. Right, right. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to our final topic of the day. So here we go. According to Variety, Disney revealed in an email to exhibitors that New Mutants tickets will be made available on Tuesday, August 18th, roughly a week and a half before the movie is set to hit theaters. China has also given the green light to sell 50% of their available tickets for Christopher Nolan's Tenant. Shortly after, AT&T CFO John Stevens was asked about WB's upcoming film slate during an investors conference in which he admitted, I am not certain where these are going to go. Uh, when referring to the upcoming film slate. Stevens added that further delays in some titles could happen. Stevens didn't mention any specific movies by name in his comments, but it is reasonable to assume that he's referring to Wonder Woman 1984 and Dune. So there's a lot to unpack here. One being that AMC um, being one of the main theaters that are moving forward with reopening in August. Uh, It was recently announced too that they plan to reopen over 100 sites uh, by I think August 26th and I think roughly like 600 locations by like September 4th in time for fingers crossed tenants so fingers crossed obviously in the area that we live in we kind of get the short end of the stick because nothing is open mm-hmm. um you know regardless of whether or not it's smart or not like I'm not going to go into that but just <laughs> just the fact that like we're we're one of the few areas in the country that theaters probably are not going to open by uh Labor Day weekend right so we're going to have to travel to go see Tenant, probably. And we will. And we will. We'll make it happen. We will. We're going to make it happen. But, um, yeah, so movie theaters are planning to reopen soon. Yeah, and we'll see. And um, I also think that depending on what happens with this, I think this is almost like the pawns. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's see how it goes. Let's see how this goes. <laughs> and then maybe we can reassess our situation with uh, Dune and, and Tenant because... It, or Dune or and Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman yeah. yeah, because it could potentially be like a shit show. I was say at this point, yeah, New Mutant and Tenant are, and Tenet are going. They're going. They're yeah, going. I believe. Yeah, like you said, uh, I'm excited or, or like I'm intrigued to see how the app is going to work in regards to like seating. Like, are you going to XP things out? Or so shit? I don't know. Shit? I don't know in terms of that, but what I do know is that AMC, like they they recently just dropped like their whole plan with their safety guidelines and how the stub situation is going to work. They basically said that. Um, on December 1st, they're going to start charging you again if you have AMC stubs. Okay. So from now until then, they're still not charging for it. Gotcha. So I don't know if it, the app is still going to work. If you do have an AMC open near you and you're able to go in and yeah, buy that's, tickets, that's, that's, you know what we'll I mean? So, so we'll see. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work. I would assume that... Are there going to be like spatial... Prob- probably. Like, who knows? We'll, probably. We'll and you have to wear, you know, you have to wear your mask. Which is fine. Which I totally get. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't know how that's going to work with uh, food. I guess they're not going to sell food. <laughs> <laughs> like that Russell Westbrook one. Yeah, yeah. Like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, and you know, for as much as this sucks. Because um, I love my snacks. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm still really fucking excited to see Tenant. Uh, we're we're, we're going to take the risk and we're going to drive somewhere to go see it probably. Mm-hmm. We're going to document it. We're gonna, you know, show you guys our experience and what that's what that's like. But and then Christopher Nolan will see you next year, and then we'll go on and be, make this big movie, right? Right. right yeah. Across the, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then yes, with 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 these delays, uh, you know, I, I think I think it's it's I think it's like you said, like you know, New Mutants and Tenant are gonna kind of be like the guinea pigs, mm-hmm. and depending on how it goes and how. You know whether or not people start getting sick by going back to the movies. Um, that'll kind of determine whether or not Wonder Woman and Dune kind of hold their spots. Right, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And then the other cool thing I don't know if you saw, but AMC like for their first official reopening day, they're charging fifteen cents a ticket. I saw that, which is really cool. Yeah. I, I think they said they're going to have like different titles. I think it's like Back to the Future, Black Panther, um, Empire Strikes Back, and they're kind of kind of harken back to like the 1920s when tickets were 15 cents. So you can go see a movie <laughs> for 15 cents, which is cool. I wish I wish AMC was going to open near me because I would definitely go do that. 15 cents? Hell yeah. Oh man. Soon, my friend. Soon. Soon. Mm-hmm. 
All right, so that does it for us, Nerds Nation. Thank you guys for watching. Thank you for listening. Remember to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube page. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else where you can find that big, beautiful FN logo. Mm -hmm. Anything you'd like to add, Martin? No, thank you for coming. Uh, we recently, a lot of our uh, episodes recently crossed the 50 listen mark. So, Which is really cool. Yeah, thank you for the support. Thank you for the love. We really appreciate it. And, um, and yeah. And I think... Um, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit before how we've kind of been talking a lot with other, with different podcasts, mm -hmm. you know, um, between Instagram and Twitter, we've got to connect with a lot of really cool ones. We, uh, we've been listening like nonstop to other yeah. people's podcasts, which has been really awesome. And, uh, it seems to be in the future. We're going to start collabing with, um, some of these other ones, which is really cool. Obviously, um, shout out to the geek strike back. We actually did a collab with them like way back in May and uh, it was a lot of fun. So we're definitely looking forward to doing that again with some other podcasts. Oh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, uh, that does it for us. We'll catch you on the next one. Later. Later.